God is blessing in this part of the world too. Amen. And we thank the Lord for what he's doing. Thank you for being here today. Now listen, I, I understand this gas pinch, like a lot of other things, has people in a state of panic. I understand the scarcity of such Something as important as gasoline, the scarcity of it, certainly has people not able to attend church this morning. Some come from Fayetteville and attend worship service with us, and I, I trust God they're viewing this morning's service by way of Facebook. We miss you, Brother Jonathan, Sister Dana, we miss you. But we understand uh, this temporary crisis. Somebody say temporary. This temporary crisis. We're going to get past this, saints. Come on, y'all. We're going to get past this. We're going to get past COVID-19. Somebody say, yes, we are. Yes, we are. And amen. The, the, what the Lord has in store for us is beyond our imagination. I'm assured of that. So there are going to be some exciting things in the very not-so-distant future. We're going to schedule a baptism right here at Harvest Church in the not-so-distant future. Come on, y'all. That's right. We're going to have baby dedications again right here at Harvest Church. Glory to God. We always, we always release the charge of the service into the Holy Spirit's direction. And whatever way he leads us, we will follow. So I wonder how many of you are delighted today to be in the very presence of God. Give him a praise, would you? Come on, go ahead and give the Lord praise now like I know you can. He, in his mercy and love, Brother Bobby, he's allowed us to experience, amen, another week. And we're able to gather in this place corporately and worship him in spirit and in truth. Let me just say to you today, it's a great honor to see those of us assembled again in the house of God. It has been quite some time since a number of you have graced our presence. We're thankful that God has strengthened you and enabled you to be a part of this great day in the Lord. Just in case you had a speck of doubt, I want you to know that he's still God. I said, I want you to know that he's still God. And nothing that is going on in our world, Brother Carlos, has taken him by surprise. I really want to believe in my heart that the longer that we go through this period, that the stronger our faith is growing. Amen. The stronger our faith is growing. And that's what pleases God. The Bible tells us, Brother Terry, without faith it's impossible to please God. So I want to speak to our hearts today from one verse of Scripture penned in the Gospel according to St. Matthew. Very familiar story. Many of you are going to recognize it as we gaze upon this verse. If you will stand in the presence of God for the reading of his word. Amen. One verse. Give you a little historical backdrop. Um, prior to the text, there was a rich young ruler who had came to Jesus. And he was inquiring what he needed to do to inherit the kingdom of God. Brother Donnie, the scripture says that Jesus told him to keep the commandments. And he said, which one? Which one? So then Jesus begins to recite a number of the commandments 
to this young man. He's still inquisitive, realizing the difficulty of that task. Like a lot of people in our world today, they want to know is there a shortcut to obtaining righteousness? Is there some other route that I can take other than going through Christ Jesus? None other that the scriptures have revealed. Jesus said, if you'll sell all you have and give to the poor. Oh, my. What a challenge. What a challenge. Well, the scriptures go on to tell us that he went away sorrowfully. By the time of the Bible, the Bible doesn't go deeper into the reasonings why that often leaves us puzzled but one couldn't help but be prompted to think could it possibly be that this young man tied material possessions and the abundance thereof to the blessings of God that's a common mistake we make in this world we look at those individuals who are doing well or, or, or financially well off and we automatically make a connection that it's the blessings of God that has flooded their life. All too often, many people are not even in relationship with God but enjoy material blessing. So, so don't be fooled by that, my friends. Then taking our text today in Matthew chapter 19 and verse 26. Matthew 19, 26. But Jesus looked at them the disciples he looked at them and said to them with men this is impossible but with God all things are possible Jesus said it's hard for a rich man to enter in the kingdom of heaven he goes on brother Chancellor to say that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Now we understand the eye of a needle was a reference to a section in the wall of a city where a camel would have to humble himself down to make safe passage. So don't confuse that with a physical sewing needle and the fact that a gigantic beast would have to be reduced to the size to go through that eye. No, Jesus was simply making it known that we need to be debased, that we need to humble ourselves, amen, to gain access to the kingdom of God. I feel the Holy Spirit's presence even in the midst of us right now. God is working in our lives to prepare us to meet him in a soon return. The Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. If I were to use a thought today, I would share a thought such as this. A God who can. A God who You've often heard people inspire others by saying, fake it till you make it. 
Everybody heard that before? Well, I thought of it like this. Faith it till you make it. Faith it until you make it. Come on, somebody. Amen. Father God, we thank you this hour for your presence that has met us in this place. We lean now on the counsel of the Comforter, the Holy Ghost. And ask that he direct us through the balance of this service. Lord, that those things we may say and actions we may generate would be those that bring honor and glory to your name. Free our minds. Open our hearts. Lord, that we may receive what you have set aside for us today. Save the lost, strengthen and encourage your church. Reclaim those, Lord, who have backslidden in their ways. Touch the viewers and listeners today assembled on these grounds and those viewing by way of social media. Let your anointing guide us in every move. In Jesus' name, God's church shouted together, amen, amen and amen. Well, as we have witnessed in recent days, the governor is lifting bans and more and more people are able to gather in places like this and places of worship to reverence God and to honor the Lord. It's been a long time coming. Oh, but help is on the way. Praise the Lord. It would be safe to say, saints of God, the day we live in a world filled with pain, in a world crippled by suffering. One of theology's most difficult questions, why do bad things happen to good people? Why do bad things happen to good people? Prior to the text, this young man called Jesus good. Jesus said there's only one good, and that's the Father. Amen? But the Word of God thought so much on this subject matter that the book of Job was dedicated to pain and suffering. It was dedicated to it. So it has great significance to us as the people of God. We need to understand something clearly that as human beings, we are not eternal. As human beings, we are not infinite. We are not omniscient. So in any shape or form, we are never going to expect to fully understand God's purposes and God's ways. Saints, since we live in a fallen world, we experience the effects of that fall. Amen? But I got good news. This is not our home. Praise the Lord, somebody. I just dropped by to tell somebody, amen. One day you're going to look for us and we're going to be gone. Because this, Brother Alfie, is not our home. Oh, Brother Eric, the Bible helps us to understand that this world as we now know it, it is definitely not the end. 
Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18 in the presence of the Lord. This is Paul writing to encourage the saints of God at Corinth. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Uh, while we do not look at the things which are seen, help me, Holy Ghost, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Hello, somebody. I heard people sing songs about giving me a log cabin in the corner of glory. I want to tell you today that God has something greater for you. I want to tell you that you may have lived part of your life in a rundown shack, but I heard him in John's gospel, chapter 14. Amen. I've got a mansion, glory to God. It's already been prepared for you. And if it were not so, I would have never told you. The saints of God don't get caught up in what you see because the Bible makes it as clear as crystal. Ah, glory to God that it's only temporary. It's only going to last for a, a little while. And this ought to comfort us as the saints of God. Praise the Lord. It ought to comfort us to know, amen, that one day we will receive our glorious reward. We have heard of Paul as he writes to the church at Rome in Romans 8 and 28. Uh, he's talking about the saints of God and he says we know that all things work together for good to those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose do you belong to God today have you been called according to his purpose then I want you to let the enemy and hell itself know that even when we can't see it God is working even when we can't feel it God is working even when we're unaware and oblivious to the fact sister Vivian God is working on our side Amen. And in our corner. I want to tell you, amen, he's the God who can. He's a God who can. Oh, glory to God. You see, God oftentimes uses bad things for his ultimate lasting good. Reflecting upon the story of Joseph recorded in Genesis chapter number 50. The Bible helps us to understand that famine had gripped the land. And because famine gripped the land, it drove the people of God right down to Egypt. And that's where Joseph resided in, amen, Pharaoh's house. Is anybody listening? His brothers hated him. He was the favorite son of his father. They sold him into Ishmaelite slavery and he ended up in the land of Egypt. Somebody said, Pastor, I don't understand. I just said that even when we're not aware of it, or when we're not cognizant or conscious of the fact God is working behind the scenes. Brother Donnie, often at our unawares, I love the words of that song that says, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're 
working. There may be days that Joseph felt abandoned and forsaken by God, but I'm reminded that his famine drove his family to the land of Egypt. He could have caused a loud bitterness, amen, to have risen in his heart, and he could have had hatred toward his brothers who didn't like him. Oh, but he realized something that a lot of us need to, that ultimately God is working it for our lasting good. That's right, Genesis chapter 50, verses 19 through 21. The Bible tells us that these boys end up down in Egypt and Joseph said to them, don't be afraid for am I in the place of God? You know what they thought? They thought that Joseph reserved a right to pass judgment upon them. Oh, but Joseph's life was one that was positioned and led and orchestrated by God. And here's what Joseph said. But as for you, oh, you definitely meant it for evil against me. But God, he meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Somebody ought to give the Lord praise. He said, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. The Bible said he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. There are a lot of folk holding grudges feeling they'd be justified to get back at individuals who got at them. But the Bible said, let it go. He's a God who can, somebody. Oh, glory to God. Somebody came to the altar, amen, not too long ago. And they said to me, I have a problem with forgiveness. I just uh, can't forgive those persons who did me wrong. And I immediately said, honey, if you got a problem with forgiveness, you need to look to Calvary. Come on, somebody. If you got a problem being able to forgive, you ought to look at the life and the example of Jesus Christ who didn't wait for us to get right, amen, before he died for us, amen. Bible said in Romans, amen, chapter 5 and verse 8, but God commended his love toward us in that yet we were why, amen, still sinners. We was lost as lost could be. We had no hope, glory to God. We had no future, amen. We didn't love ourselves, but even when we were in sin, oh, help me, Holy Ghost, God loved us. A God who can. Ooh, you ought to touch your neighbor. He's a God who can. You see what happened to Joseph even in spite of the horrific sufferings and the wrongdoing. He was an innocent man that was wrongly accused. He went to prison because Potiphar's wife lied on him. But even while in prison, the hand of God, God's positioning system, was guiding Joseph to the place of blessing. He moved up to the second in authority in the land of Egypt. What in the world are you talking about? Amen. You can't put nothing past God. Amen. Because when you down to nothing, that's when he's up to something. God who can. Are you with me? Anybody tracking today? Hallelujah. Man, I feel the preacher in the house. Oh, lastly, bad things happen to good people, but let me help you with something. The worst thing happened to the best person. Does anybody hear what I'm saying? You say, preacher, why do bad things happen to good people? Let's reflect on this. The worst thing happened to the best person that ever lived on this planet. His name was Jesus. Look what Peter said in 2 Peter I'm sorry, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 20 through 23. For what credit is it when you are 
beaten for your faults. You take it patiently. But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. You hear that, saints of God? For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, hallelujah, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Are you with me, saints of God? Verse 23, son. Praise the Lord. The Bible plainly tells us if we will follow Christ's example, who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. I want to tell you, God's got you back. Amen. He's got the situation covered. And not only is Jesus Christ our example in death, Jesus Christ is our example in life. He endured. He did not revile. He did not retaliate. But he did what was right. And then guess what he did? He left the results to God. Pastor, I'm justified. No, you're not. I'm going to get back those persons who've got no, you're not. If you're going to follow Christ's example, you're going to keep your mouth shut and leave the get back to God. Hello? Y'all ain't hearing me. Y'all ain't hearing me. Oh, my, my, my. We look for justification to, amen, to, to involve ourselves in all kinds of action. But what did Peter say? Peter said when he was reviled, he did not retaliate. Amen. He kept his mouth shut. And we know that he suffered more than any human being has ever suffered and lived until the point of crucifixion. And he became our example. Oh, my God. It behooves us to do as Jesus did. Do as Jesus did. You ever found yourself in an impossible situation? Have you ever felt like you were in something and there was no way out? Can I get one amen across this house? If you served God any length of time, I guarantee you there have been a number of occasions when the enemy thought that he had you backed in a corner. Amen. The old phrase goes between a rock and a hard place. But I know a God who can. Oh, Lord, I can't get no help in here. I said, today I know a God who can. If you wouldn't be ashamed of yourself today, you'd raise your hand and say, I've been in that situation. In my life, I've been in that predicament. I wouldn't be ashamed to say that in my life, my marriage has been in that predicament. Come on, somebody. I wouldn't be ashamed to say that my relationship with my family was severed to pieces. I, 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 I saw no hope of reconciliation. I, I saw no chance of us being restored to what we once were. But oh, the Holy Ghost of God, he performed spiritual CPR and he bent down and he brought Breathe the newness of life into our existence. And we got up from there. Amen. And we've never been the same since. I'm talking about a God who can. He's the God of no way out. Anybody hear what I said? I said he's the God of no way out. Somebody said he's the way when there seemed to be. No, no he is the way. Make no mistake about it. Jesus said to Mary and Martha, I am the way. I am the resurrection and I am the life. If any man believes on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. That song said prophesy. Can I prophesy? Can I prophesy this morning? God's going to speak to some dead circumstance in your life. 
and he's going to bring it back to life. Can anybody hear what I'm saying? If it's nothing more than your fervent desire, amen, to serve him in spirit and in truth, God is going to reignite the passion in your life that once existed in service unto him. The world, Sister Leslie, is looking at us and our reaction to the things that are going on around about us. But I come by just to tell you, amen, he's the God of no way out. He's a God who can. My, 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 my. Somebody said, Pastor, what's the way? It's a method, style, or manner of doing something. Let me tell you something. I don't care if you've been saved 50 years. It's easy to get discouraged. You follow me? It's easy to be doubtful. It's even, even, even easy to be dismayed. What is that? Alarm, shock, surprise. It's easy. Especially with the way things are unfolding in our world. When devastating news blindsides us. Oh my. When discouraging circumstances overwhelm us. It becomes almost human nature for us to feel that there's no way out. When doctors give us a bad diagnosis. Lord help me this morning. We forget who the great physician is. Come on y'all. We looking at a bunch of white coats. And I am not minimizing, amen, the importance of doctors. I in no way, shape, or form will ever throw a doctor under the bus. But I looked at that staff and said, I appreciate all the years that you have under your belt. I thank God for the acquired knowledge you have in schools of higher learning. But show me one of them. You ever, you ever made. Show me one of those bodies that you ever made. Show me one creation that you ever brought into existence. The Bible tells us, and I'm not speaking verbatim, so bear with me. But the Bible, Brother Greg, looked at man, the prize of all creation, lying there in the dust of the earth. But there was something Still missing. Are y'all getting this? There was something still missing. Brother Carlos, the Bible said, Then God breathed the breath of life. Into man's nostrils. You help me here lift the devil today. And then man became. A living soul. You may be lying on the mat today. Brother Casey feeling like there's no hope for a brighter tomorrow. But I want to tell you that all God needs to do is breathe his fresh breath on your circumstance and situation. Brother Chance, when the doctor said, oh, we don't know where this came from and we probably never will. We don't know a method or mode of treatment. That's when I said amen to God. I know a God who can. That's when I said I know a God. Amen. Who's the God of no way out. I know a God, amen, who can swoop right in and change any circumstance. That's right. We are witnesses of this. We have seen this with our own eyes. We have watched the hand of God reverse a stroke 
right in our very presence. We've seen it, folks. We've seen God raise a dead man back to life. Somebody better help me while I'm here. Amen. We saw the paramedics come in and do the check on the vitals. And this man said, hey, amen, I'm not going to any hospital. Well, what's your pleasure then, Mr. Register? I'm going back in the church and I'm going to take communion with my brothers and sisters in the Lord. Oh, glory to God. It'll, it'll bless you sometime if you just look back on the God who can. The God who can. I'll never forget that October afternoon, Sister Murd, as long as I have a sound mind. When that lady burst in the church and said there'd been a horrible accident. I was young. I hadn't been in the pastorate but a few months. Didn't know what to say. Didn't know what to do. All I know that in my life is before I ever made a decision, I called on the Lord. Before I ever jumped to a quick decision, I always called on the Lord. He gave us direction. There's so many stories in the word of God that serve as our example. One of them found early in the book of Exodus when God raised up the great lawgiver, deliverer Moses to bring his children out of bondage. I want to tell y'all something. This COVID stuff has had a lot of us in bondage. Amen. Am I, am I okay? And it appears that government officials and leaders in high places, I know what the Bible says about respecting authority. I know the Bible tells us, amen, through the great man of God, Paul, that it's God who sets these individuals up. Are you listening to me, saints of God? But it just appears to me through an eye of faith that the whole world is doing everything it can to disband the unity of the church. And I want you to know something. Satan is strategic in his schemes and devices. Satan understands that if he can detach the body of Christ, we become isolated. Oh, my. But let me tell you one thing. Jesus said, Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Glory to God, I don't care what CNN might rise up in the morning print and I want you to know he's a God who can. I want you to know he's the God of no way out. Oh mine, he is the way. He doesn't have to devise a way. He is. it be fair to assume that life hits us hard? Doesn't life hit us hard? Life hits all of us hard. This must have been how the Israelites felt after they'd been released from Pharaoh's slavery. And they're out in the wilderness standing before the Red Sea. 
Some of you want to think that, oh my, that God set them up to watch them fall. No, God was orchestrating this plan the whole time. And they were not aware. You understand? Scholars tell us that if they would have journeyed on a direct route from Egypt to Canaan, they could have gotten there in 11 days. I'm, t- I'm not talking by Amtrak, American Airlines, United. No, I'm, not, I'm, I, I'm talking not even stagecoach. I'm talking by foot. 11 days. But it took them 40 years. Some of y'all like, God, God won't inflict nothing like that on you, will he? Oh, yes, he will. Oh, yes, he will. And indeed, he did. What do you mean? What do you mean? God led those children, that nation, out of Egypt to stand before the Red Sea with mountains on the sides and Pharaoh's army approaching. God led them there for a purpose. Y'all looking at me real strange. But you don't have to take my word for it. You can find it right here in the word of God. Exodus 14 and 4. You're going to find why God did it. And God wanted to make it crystal clear. You see those plagues on the land of Egypt? Certain of those plagues caused Pharaoh's heart to become hard. But then others... God hardened his heart even more. All to prove a point. I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them and will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all this army. Underline this in your Bible. That the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. You underline it? God said, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. And he's going to get up. Y'all know he financed a trip out of there. You know they gave him gold earrings and bracelets and all kinds of stuff. They, they said, hey, get away from here. After the death of his own son, Pharaoh said, hey, get your mess and leave here. You ain't got to leave mad, just leave. But then God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Pharaoh started thinking about all that free labor he got from them slaves down in Egypt. God hardened his heart. And he assembled an army. And he led that army to meet the children of Israel. And there they found them at the banks of the Red Sea. Isn't that amazing? God said, I'm go- these people are going to know from this day forward that I am the Lord. They're going to know. I don't know who it is in your life that is taking the place of Pharaoh. But God's going to let them know who's in charge. I come by to tell somebody, hallelujah, God's going to let somebody know who's in charge. And the word of the Lord made it clear that from that moment on, God became their deliverer and their salvation from that day forward. Because the Bible tells us, brother, that in Exodus 14, verses 13 and 14, the Bible tells us what happened. 
Moses didn't hit the panic button like a lot of people are doing today. But Moses stood before these people unfazed. He stood before them composed and collected. And then he offers, oh glory to God, this inspirational speech. Boy, there, there couldn't have been a more appropriate time to give an inspirational speech, could there? They could hear the rumble of chariots and the noise of horses' hooves as they approached. Somebody said, yeah, he gave them one of them Newt Rockney speeches at Notre Dame or one of them Vince Lombardi speeches from the Green Bay Packers. Amen. Somebody said he gave them a Jim Valvano speech who died of cancer. I want to tell you one thing. Moses was unfazed. Moses stood composed. He stood calm and collected. And Moses said, don't be afraid. Stand still. See the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. For the Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Some of you lacing up the boxing gloves now to get back at somebody who got at you. I'm telling you, he's the God of no way out. He's the God who can. Amen. Take the gloves off. Lay them down and say, Lord, I'm going to put my complete hope, faith, and trust in you. You're the God who can. You're the God of no way out. You're the only one who is able to both deliver and to save us. There's something important we need to understand about biblical deliverance, though, saints of God. Something really important. You see, as Christians, we view life through a lens of eternal perspective. Am I right? We don't look at life, Brother Bobby, in the now, but we look at life through the lens of an eternal perspective. Oh, my, we see things for the way they really are. Am I witnessing to anybody in this room? Oh, my. Because all of us at one time or another, Brother Greg, we felt like we were down and out and had no way out. But God is the God who can. Amen. He's the God who can. And people battle with all types of things in this world currently today. Some of them even in our neighborhoods. They battle all kinds of things for which they humanly are unable to control. But I know a God who can. Amen. I know a God who can. Throughout the pages of the Old Testament, we understand the Bible presents God always as the subject and his people always as the object. Am I right? The Bible does this. What object? The object of deliverance. God is the deliverer. The people are the delivered. Praise the Lord. And that has never changed. That's never changed. So to understand biblical deliverance, we need to understand that, amen, God is always the subject. He's always the person who is doing the delivering. The people are always the object, the beneficiary of the deliverance. David said, I was in a horrible pit. Oh, yeah. But the Lord picked me up. Amen, out of the miry clay. And he set my feet on a rock. And he put a new song in my heart. 
Anybody getting the subject object lesson here? It's God who's always the deliverer and people who are always the delivered. Oh, praise the Lord. And there are many aspects of deliverance. But note this, all aspects of deliverance are available only through one person. The Lord, Jesus Christ. It is the ultimate purpose of God for every child of God to grow more and more into the image of His Son. We read earlier Romans 8.28, all things work together for the good of them who love the Lord. What does Romans 8.29 say? Romans 8.29 says, For whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn, among many brethren. This is the goal of every Christian. To grow more and more into the image of God's Son. That includes going through trials and tribulations. Because we understand as the body of Christ, trials and tribulations are designed to enable us to reach that goal. What goal? The goal of conforming to the image of God's Son. It's through trials and tribulations that we're going to be enabled to reach that goal. I've asked this numerous times. Why did they give tests in school? To see what you retain. It's the measuring stick. Trials and tribulations serve in that capacity in our lives as Christians. And what the enemy fooled us to do when we first accepted Jesus, we ought to be stronger now and resist that. Come on, somebody. So then the enemy has no new bag of tricks. He just resorts right back to his old ones. The Old Testament said there's nothing new under the sun. Nothing. So what are you trying to tell me, Pastor? That our goal as a Christian even through trials and tribulations, should be to grow and conform to the image of God's Son, our Lord, Jesus Christ. We talked several weeks ago about the process. Somebody say process. Process of sanctification. It's a process. Amen or oh me. It's a process. And it involves this. It involves the process of sanctification, the setting a self, setting a part of oneself for God's purposes. We do this when? One time? We do this daily and continually. My, my, my. Let's look at 1 Peter 1, verses 6 and 7. 1 Peter 1, verses 6 and 7. Peter writes, In this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, if you need be, you have been grieved by various trials. That the genuineness of your faith, oh my, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory. At the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
My, 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 you can be assured of this. Our faith will be made sure by the trials that we experience so that we can rest in the knowledge of its reality and of our faith's endurance. Am I right? Hold on, saints. Just hold on. It's going to be worth it after all. It's going to be worth it. Many people in life consider themselves to have wilderness experiences. Just like the children of Israel did. The wilderness experience is a, is a type of burden. Are you with me, somebody? The wilderness experience is a type of burden. What are burdens? Come on, what do they do? They weigh you down. They weigh you down. Can you worship God freely if you're burdened? Can you be an effective witness if you're burdened? Can you be a faithful participant in the activities of your local church if you are burdened down? Can you fool people when you're burdened? Some of us think we can. Some of us do a good job at masking stuff. Some of us has applied makeup so long in our life, it's just become second nature. I'm just trying to keep it real. I just try to throw something out there you were familiar with. One makeup company is called CoverGirl. I mean, I'm just saying. I'm not against makeup, but I'm just keeping it real. They know how to market this stuff. I'm here to tell you. My wife told me not to gel my hair today. She said, you look like you're wearing Grecian formula. I said, what? I was like, I'm not about to put no coloring in my hair. I'm here to tell you right now, that's too much work. And ain't no sense in me trying to beautify myself. That's too far gone. I'm just trying to be a blessing to y'all now. I'm just trying to be real. But the truth of the matter is, a lot of believers consider themselves to have a wilderness experience. By that I mean that they struggle day by day. Can you imagine out there in that wilderness waiting on God and his every provision to meet your need? Can, can, can you even imagine how that those people got out there and not, I mean, not even... Far into the journey, they began to complain to Moses, saying, man, you've led us out here to die. At first glance, they're overjoyed about being delivered. But then they get out there and they don't have filet mignon and grilled shrimp. And Come on, somebody. They didn't have baby back ribs. And stuff. I, they get out there and they're like, hey. I, I miss Egypt after all. Isn't this the Bible? This is the Bible, saints, now. I mean, this is the Bible. The Bible said, Brother Charlie, they began to murmur and to complain. They want to go back to where they came from. You know the reason I've never been inclined to go back to where I came from? Because I didn't leave nothing back there to go back to. 
Y'all missed a good place to glory to God right there. You missed a good place to say hallelujah right there. I didn't leave anything in the form of life that I wanted to go back to. They said, Moses, you let us out here in the wilderness to die. At least we had cucumbers and leeks and garlands and melons down in Egypt. At least we had some food. And Moses began to cry out to God. And God sent him angel food. He rained down manna. But they still couldn't follow instructions. God said, hey, tell them not to store up. Tell them, hey, listen. Get them go plates. Let me get one of them go plates. You have homecoming past appreciation or something special. Somebody, They don't even eat before they're fixing a go plate. Hallelujah, y'all didn't think the pastor was watching. You done fixing plates for people who didn't love me enough to even come. <laughs> Glory to God. You're going to eat up all the food for people? Get fed that are here. You fix, you, let me get one of them go plates. Amen. Those children of Israel, man out there in the wilderness, they said, we're going to fix us a to-go plate. God said, don't get more than this matter than you can consume today. Because if you do, it's going to be infested with worms. But what they do? They got them go plates. <laughs> Amen. And when that wasn't enough and they wanted meat, the Bible said that quail flew over the camp and just... Fell down. You tell me he's not the God who can. But we want to, we want to get on the pity pew. And, I, and, and they didn't cook my steak right. It's too pink. I don't like quail. Never sat it. I got to hurry now. I got to hurry. Some of y'all in the wilderness. Struggling from day to day, whether your burden is financial, material, physical, or emotional, whatever, amen, they are, they press us. And then our flesh cries out to God for help. Does it not? Isn't this just indicative of our nature as people? We are so fickle. Brother told me one time we got the same thing for Christmas every year. I told my mom and dad they ought to change things up. But boy, you know we were poor. We got an apple and an orange every year. Your daddy, his daddy said, would it make you feel any better? I'm going to give you an orange and an apple this year. <laughs> well, praise the Lord. Anybody get that? We are so fickle. Oh, my Lord. I don't even like to eat with people who are like that. I'd be terrified they'd take my stuff back there and throw it on the floor and step on it or something like that and then bring it back to me. How's that now, sir? Like, it's a little crusty. I'm just saying. We're like that as people, saints of God. So we need to understand the, uh, biblical deliverance. We need to understand this. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. Then we can understand more in-depthly what we possess. Paul writing to the church at Corinth, but we have this treasure 
in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. For we are hard pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. Somebody receive this in the Lord's name. We are perplexed, but we are not in despair. Paul said we're persecuted, but we are not forsaken. Oh, this will bless you. We are struck down, but we still ain't destroyed. Somebody ought to help me in this house. Always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested or made known in our body. I want to tell you one thing. God shines brightest through the broken. Amen. Somebody ought to give him praise in this place. We did, we did, we did a series months ago on my story. We've all got a story. Am I right? I'm really, I've really seriously considered writing a book on my own story. I'd buy one. If nobody else wouldn't, I'd buy one. You know why I'd buy one, Brother Ernie? I'd buy one so that when the enemy provoked me at any shape or time, I'd buy one so that any time he came at me and said, remember this, I'd drag him to remember. Oh, glory to God. At any time the devil in hell would say, remember, remember I had you in the crosshairs, boy. Amen. There's a big, big target on your back. And I was ready to take you out. That's when I'd say, do you remember this? Do you remember when the long arm of the Lord reached way down and lifted me? Do you remember, glory to God, when it seemed there was no way out? That the God, amen, that I serve, the God who can, he came on the scene. He breathed a fresh anointing over my life. And he said, live. And I've been running for my life ever since. Yeah. I want to report to you at Harvest Church today hell may assail but it won't prevail are you with me somebody oh glory to God the demons and Satan himself they may come at you but I heard Paul say if God is for you who can be against you I heard him say through the prophet Isaiah when the enemy shall come in like a flood the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him I heard him when he said as the mountains are round about Jerusalem so the Lord is round about his people that's right I heard him brother Bobby when he said greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world oh hell may assail but it won't prevail y'all better receive it amen Glory to God, before life as we now know it ceased to exist, we're going to face some stuff. We might think we've been through something yet, but honey, you ain't seen nothing yet. Jesus said, fret not for these are just the beginning of sorrows. We're going to see some things before we make our exit. Some of y'all are like, no, 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 God loves me too much to let me, you better trace the steps of the people of God in his word. And what they went through. My mind goes back to the prophet that God used mightily. But Jezebel said, I'm going to kill you. And he ran for his life. Are you with me? 
The Bible said God just tucked him away by the brook Kirith. And he used a ravenous bird. Are you with me? Come on, a cadaverous bird, a raven, a flesh eater. God used a flesh eater to bring the man meat to sustain him. I told y'all this several weeks ago. I'm, I'm going to repeat it again. I'll go to God. I've been contemplating a major decision in my life. I'd been praying to God. And then that night sitting there in the comfort of my own home, I looked and an angel walked right in to where I normally sit and prepare, amen, sermons that I'm going to minister in the presence of God. And then he turned and looked at me. And he said, you belong to me. And you're going to be all right. I struggled with that thing for just a little while. I was on my job. I was walking around. Then I saw some little sparrows they were frolicking on the ground boy they were just as happy as happy could be and the Holy Ghost said well look at there he don't plant not one a single seed he does not expect a harvest I take care of him and how much more do I love you how much more do I love you how much more much more do I love you than these it was in that instance I almost couldn't contain myself I got so excited the tears began to fall down my face and all I could do then was say God I thank you that you're the God who can Lord I want to thank you that you're the God of no way out oh yes I want to thank you that you've been my deliverer and that you've been my salvation. I got to quit, y'all. I got to quit. I feel the preacher. Hallelujah. I just need somebody to know that we need to embrace this mindset. We need to adapt this mentality. We need to say within ourselves, I'm serving the God who can. I'm serving the God of no way out. Amen. And I need to embrace that. I need to live that every day of my life. I need to trust and never doubt trust and never doubt when the doctor give you a bad report wouldn't it be a blessing if you could look to heaven and start singing it is well with my soul wouldn't it be good wouldn't it be good if right there in a professional place of business you could begin to thank God for all that he's done in your life and for what else he has in store for your remaining days here upon the earth. Oh, my, 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 when I use the word never, I mean that no time, the past, present, or future. Should we doubt? Should we be uncertain? Should we lack conviction on what God has said? Never. I told Sister Oxenline this more than one time. Somebody's got to have the faith. Somebody have got to believe God. I got lost family. Somebody got to believe God. Yeah, I got lost family, folk. I got people that I love. I got friends. I got associates. But somebody have got to trust God. Somebody got to believe God at his word. Trust and never doubt. And God will bring it to pass.
Can anybody say amen in this house? Yeah. My wife told me just last week, she said, baby, I've got a friend who didn't even pray that God would heal her loved one because she was afraid that if he didn't heal them, that she would become angry with God. Isn't that something? Won't pray for God to heal your family because you face the fear that if it doesn't happen, you're going to be upset with God. How many of you know that as for the Lord, His way is perfect? And even when we can't understand it, He's still working it for our good and for His glory. Can, can I share something with you? Can I tell you something? That's a common emotion. That's a common emotion. Why? Because we don't understand suffering and why we suffer. We don't fully understand it. I want to help somebody. Sometimes suffering is a result of poor choices. I said sometimes, Brother Robbie, suffering is self-inflicted. Ain't you glad people ain't God? Anybody glad God's God by itself? Praise the Lord. Ain't you glad God ain't moody? Hello? Ain't you glad God ain't temperamental? I'm talking to somebody. You see those folks coming to work and they grouchy as can be. Moody, temperamental. Aren't you glad God's not like that? Amen. I'm so grateful that God has consisted in his dealings with us as his people. Sometimes, suffering is an act of willful irresponsibility. We bring it on ourselves. It's self-inflicted. But let me tell you what human nature does. Human nature seeks to find a connection or correlation, if you would, between bad behavior and circumstance. While conversely, it, it, it searches for that between good behavior and blessings. Are you listening? Even Jesus himself dealt with a desire among humanity to link sin to suffering. You see all those things? I've lost everything. Oh my God. I can't pay my bills. You have cancer. My college student child is addicted to drugs and alcohol. What should I do? Trust and never doubt. Trust and never doubt. My parents left this world believing God for the salvation of their children. And many of them came to know the Lord after my parents departed. No, they didn't get to see their children confess Christ. But they died believing that they would. Are you with me, somebody? 
Don't you ever doubt God. You say, Pastor, where did Jesus run into this? In John chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. This is where Jesus ran into human problem of, of people trying to connect sin with suffering. Jesus passed by. He saw a man who was blind from birth. His disciples were with him. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi or teacher, who sinned? Was it this man or his parents that he was born blind? You see the connection? You see how we want to attribute our insufficiencies, our suffering with sin? Isn't that what happened to Job? It happened all the way back in the book of Job. But even Jesus faced this. But listen to Jesus' answer. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Somebody said, Pastor, I'm dying for you to tell me what that means. I'm just dying for you. to. I'm sitting on the edge of my seat waiting for you to tell me what that means. Listen, the disciples themselves, they saw an object of theological curiosity. Theology is the study of God. They saw in this man's condition an object of theological curiosity. But you know what Jesus saw? He saw a man in need. <laughs> Woo, glory to God. Jesus didn't get preoccupied on how he got in that state, where he came from, what caused it, any of the above. But Jesus, Brother Joey, saw a man in need. And then Jesus' response would silence every critic that the works of God should be revealed in him. God has a higher purpose. He has a higher plan for your suffering. Stand with me all over this building, will you? He has a higher purpose. Trials and pain, suffering, they're not unusual in this thing called life. They're all part of living in a fallen world. Amen. Even when we feel abandoned and we feel our situations are hopeless, we need to understand God has a higher purpose, a greater cause. Amen. But listen what James tells us we should do. Some of you really going to look at me sideways on this one. <laughs> because we have this, the flip opposite. We respond to this in the extreme opposite direction. James said, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. When the last time you thank God for a trial? Come on, y'all can be honest in the presence of When's the last time you said, Lord, thank you for making this trial a blessing? James said, count it all joy. Did he not? He goes on to tell us, knowing that the testing of our faith produces patience. Let patience have its perfect work. That you may be perfect and complete. Lacking nothing. I want to tell you trust and never doubt trust and never doubt because without trials hear me clearly saints of God 
we cannot develop into spiritual maturity. We cannot embrace spiritual wholeness without trials in our life. Trials not only produce maturity, but trials produce durability. Because the same stuff that Satan came at you with, Sister Tammy, early in your walk with God, it won't work now. He's got to recoup, and he's got to come with another strategy. Know what that's a sign of? Maturity. That's a sign of spiritual maturity. Do you love the Lord today? Come on, do you love Jesus in this house? Do you believe in all your heart he's the God who can? You need to tell a neighbor, tell a family member, tell a friend. You need to tell a co-worker. I don't care how hopeless your situation looks. I serve a God who can. You need to tell that married couple whose relationship is, as the world can say, on the rocks. You can say God will restore it and bring it back together. Won't he do it, Jerry Fuquay? Won't God do it? You know what God will do? God will resurrect a marriage that's on its way out. Uh, Brother Jerry, I heard him testify. I can't tell it like he can, but I heard him testify. I've done everything but sign the divorce papers. But there was a God. Who could? I said there was a God who could. And not only could he, but he did. And you know what? Now that gentleman and his wife lead the couple's ministry here at Harvest Church. Don't tell me there's no way out. Don't tell me glory to God. Because I see living proof that we serve a God who can. I would never share that to embarrass or humiliate my brother in any way. I just wanted him to know that that resonated in my spirit. It bore witness with me that he put complete trust in a God who could. Amen. Man, we have in our presence almost every Sunday, Sister Murtis McGee. Who the enemy came at with full fury. Both her living children and the child of her sister taken in a tragic automobile accident. but looked me in my face and said, Pastor, I appreciate the offer. I appreciate the offer for professional counseling. But all I need to know is that you're praying for me. All I need to know is that you're praying for me. I've never been summoned to the psychiatric ward in the hospital on her behalf. I've never been summoned to a professional counselor's office on her behalf. But she stands among us today as a pillar of faith in the God who can. That's right. I'm not going to apologize. I extended my time. 
but I was being led by the Spirit of God. And I believe that it ministered in the lives of his people. Somebody said, I'm fought and fought and fought till I ain't got nothing left to fight for. Fight for what's left. I said, fight for what's left. Because God's fighting for you. And he's on your side. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. This is the most important part of this service. You are a radiant looking bunch today. So beautiful in the presence of the Lord. But I would be remiss if we left this place and I didn't ask you personally. Is there a need in your life? Is there a need in your life? Because today we have summoned the God who can. For with man it is impossible. But with God all things are possible. David said in Psalms chapter 30 and verse 11, he's turned my mourning into dancing. What does that mean, pastor? He'll turn it around. I said, God will turn it around. Time after time, he is faithful. Time after time, he's proven that he is our deliverer our provider and our salvation. Won't you trust him today? If you need prayer, the altar of the Lord is open. Can I see a hand of any person who says, Pastor, remember me when you pray? Any hand. God bless these hands that are going up. Anyone else? Can I see the hands today? God bless you and you and you and you. We're going to have a baptism in the month of June as God enables us. We're going to have a baby dedication in the month of June as God enables us. But I want to pray for you right now. And I want to believe God for you. I want to believe God with you. I want to reassure you that he is the God who can. Our ushers are already in place. Sister Oxendine is coming. And as I pray, you will be immediately dismissed from this service. But not without my praying for you. Lord of heaven, I want to thank you for this time that you've allowed us to share together. I want to thank you that from the pages of your word you have comforted us and you have counseled us. I want to thank you through the presence of the Holy Spirit that you have guided us in every move on this journey called life. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to have an eternal perspective. God, that we don't get caught up in what we see and those things that are temporary, but, Lord, we see the bigger picture, and that is that you have a great plan for us those plans supersede any plans we have for ourselves. now God of heaven you saw every extended hand in this service you saw every individual as they signified by raising their hand they had an urgent need now Lord God move in and through around and about them to bring about the desires of their heart as it aligns with your perfect will Lord God, bless our every endeavor to serve and to please you. Let every one of our actions and all of our attitudes be channeled into advancing your kingdom. Bless this house. Bless all those who are present today and all those who are listening and viewing by way of social media. 
It is our prayer that you would send healing and deliverance and restoration and salvation into their hearts and lives, even as we speak. We trust you for an outcome that will only be favorable to those individuals as the people of God. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we pray and believe what we've asked for. Amen and amen.